Tonight, the Livewire Episode 2 is brought to you by Skynet Neural Net Processors. They're learning computers and hurrying to stores now because there's one chip left. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to the folks. As these radioactive gamma rays crisscross against each other, we have what is generally referred to as gamma ray radioactivity. There are more things at work than you could possibly understand. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Livewire episode two. If you listened to the first one, I I graciously thank you. Um, thank you for tuning in for the second one. That you guys are even willing to stick around and pay attention to me again. Um, I'm joined today by Mr. Matt Biller. What's going on, team? Um, basically, in the room with a movie star right now. I understand that you just <laughs> did. <laughs> what, what what channel was it on? Okay, if anybody wants to see it, it's uh, on the Reels channel. It's a new show called uh, Case Closed with AJ Benza, and it's kind of a sort of a mystery, unsolved mysteries deal. And I recently appeared on the episode about the poltergeist curse, where they billed me as a poltergeist film expert. And, yeah, uh, what, did, what did you have to do to earn the title poltergeist movie expert? Because it's, I know they just don't hand out degrees you know, on that subject. The more I watch the special, the more I'm like, I wish they would have just said film expert. That's such a bigger, wider range. People can get that job. But poltergeist film expert. Yeah, well, there's not many mu- uh, of you left. It's really, you know, you're kind of the last of a dying race. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably one of the last people out there who's seen the original film on, uh, you ready for it? Laserdisc. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> as for David Furtney out there, no, it's um, I never would have made it there if it wasn't for David Furtney. He's basically the online authority on all things Poltergeist, behind the scenes of the films, the the so-called curse aspects. The, the there's tons of legal tape wrapping this movie up that can go on for years, actually. Uh, but that'll be a podcast for another day. But still, if you guys want to check it out, it's on the Reels channel. It may be uh, repeating this month. It may not be, but it's about the Poltergeist curse and. Just look for Matt Biller. I'm the one misspelled with two fucking T's in my name. Don't you ever put another fucking T on Matt's mm-hmm. name. I don't rule that way. No, no. And before we get started, I'd like to share the way me and uh, Matt encountered our first meeting. It was uh, as they'd write in the novels. Oh, yeah. We, saw, we, tra- yeah, we saw each other across the room. Mm-hmm. I was getting a plate of nachos. He was receiving a, a bucket of popcorn. Um the night was uh, one that's, that would live in infamy. That's eerily authentic that you remember all that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, good. It was a very special night. It was the uh, midnight premiere of uh, Jurassic World. That's right. Yes, yes. I still have the uh, little lanyard they handed out, which is kind of fun. Oh, it's hanging on my door. See? It's hanging <laughs> off the back of my car in my minivan where my kids can smack it. But after that, the rest was history. So, that was history. So reverting back to movies, um, we're reporting today as of the day of recording on free comic book day. Yeah, I saw your Snapchat today. Were you at Four Colors? I was at Four Color Fantasies, which is a recent, uh, it was a, a local comic book shop mm-hmm. right off Archibald and uh, close to Foothill. And yeah, they, they really went all out today. Nice, nice. I went there, they had lines wrapped around the building, which I've never really seen at local comic book shops. Yeah, they don't play around. I went down there uh, before they switched locations. I went down there in 2013 to buy my Man of Steel tickets on free comic book day. And it was like fucking comic Woodstock, dude. Their parking lot was jammed. They had uh, like... 
pylons inside that told you which line to get into and where to curve around the store. It was batshit, man. But yeah, and cool. I don't, I didn't expect some of that just because also like, every time I, every other time I go in there, it's like you know, you got plenty of room to breathe. And oh, yeah, be, yeah. being there and seeing the line around the parking lot and people just hoarding comics, people are <laughs> showing them in costume. That's good to see. Yeah, it was it was, it was really a warm feeling. But um, also, yesterday, a very special day, we were faced with a movie that we've been waiting to come out for a very long time. Yeah. One which at one point I actually denied its existence. I'm like, there's no way they're going to pull this off. But um, hmm. they, they did, and we're talking, of course, about Captain America 3 Civil War. Yeah. Um, this thing came hot off the heels of um, Batman vs Superman displaying another form of uh, people who shouldn't be fighting fighting each other. Yeah, 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 man. Now, now is the winter of our comic discontent. Yeah, I mean the Omega event is was upon us, and I, right off the bat, I'm, I, I don't think it disappointed. No, I remember when when Batman v Superman didn't really. Uh, deliver on all the bells and whistles it promised. I said to myself, I, I know Civil War is going to be badass, and I've been listening to fucking Marvel fanboys all summer telling me how Civil War was better than Batman v Superman, and it's like, well, now it's simply just common knowledge. It won't. It's not going to really be up for debate. People aren't really going to sit down a whole lot and go, well, this is why Batman v Superman is better than Civil War. There's just no argument. Civil War is superior. It's different. It's amazing. And the Marvel victory train rolls on with this uh, little piece of Avengers light. I mean, it's um, it's one of their way better films. Yeah, and so far, although they did not break um, Batman vs Superman uh, first day record, no, they they fell just short of it. Yeah, but they did break um, the advanced ticket sale record mm-hmm. of Batman vs Superman, yes. which which shows that in when these two movies were kind of battling for the hype. Yeah. I guess Captain America kind of won that hype over. Well, the interesting thing was the marketing machine for Civil War was much more understated than Batman v Superman. When Warner Brothers advertises a film, especially a summer temple, they go balls out. And a DC property, forget it. You're not going to... They be... rented out, yeah, they rented out about an hour of airtime on the CW. Yeah. Hosted by Kevin specials. Smith. Yeah, right. You saw that where they were just like, okay, we're going to put a whole showcase on. Like, please, please come see these movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like and didn't need that much convincing, dude. These characters have been around for 70 years. People are going to see it. Yeah, that's that's the two differences is um, feel like, you know, it, when you have another introduction to Batman, you don't really need to try that hard. Yeah, exactly. People, yeah, the modern populace right now, if they put out something with Batman, people will come and see it. And that's why I feel like they don't realize is that, you know, like you don't have to work that hard to sell this. Yeah, that's true. But you do have to pull it off. Yeah, if you fuck with people's characters, then <laughs> we'll be tied the creature. Yeah, but this isn't about bad versus. No, nah, man, let's get back to Marvel um, Universe. I'm so happy to be talking about this because the movie was great. Yeah, forewarned, um, there will be spoilers. Spoilers all over the place, man. Sp- yeah, spoilers right down your shorts. So if you have not seen it, you yeah. you pretty much need to see it now. Um, if you've read the comics. Which I have not, by the way. You haven't read the no, comics I've not Civil War? Re- I, no, I've not read Civil War. I, uh, out of all the Marvel stories I've read, it's very few, man. Very few. Yeah, well, don't don't really worry about it, because uh, the way they made this movie, you don't really have to. Cool. They kept about one similarity um, from the comic, and that was the whole idea of the Sokovia Accords. Yeah. There are other like minor links, but I feel that when you go and make a movie like this, you can change the source material. 
mm-hmm. as long as it's key to the message the story was trying to tell in the first place. Yeah. And I think they really did stay true to that. Yeah. Yeah, the dramatic punch is there, no question. Yeah, you don't have to question or not whether they were good intents when they made this movie. Because this is one of the most, I think, heartfelt, not so much that you're like, oh, this is so lovely, but that it, it makes you feel, especially towards the end. Yeah, man, it's it's like watching two hours of divorce court. It's the uh, <laughs> it's sad, man. The people who are fighting, you're like, why does this have to be happening? And it's, yeah, everyone's pretty much fighting because they're hurt. There's not a lot of pride um, happening in this film. Everyone's got a real drive and a real mission, and a belief in why they chose said side. It's not contrived. It's not uh, a plot device. When they fucking square off in the airport, there's a reason, <laughs> and they all believe it with their like to the bottom of their shoes, man. Yeah, and it all starts, of course, when they are um, they are brought in after a disastrous event that um, occurs in uh, Lagos, mm-hmm. where um, they are pursuing uh, pursuing crossbones, and um, you know one thing leads to another. He has a suicide bomb strapped to him, mm-hmm. and they have to fling him out, and he ends up crashing through a building. But this whole opening. Yeah, how did he get through that building? <laughs> we actually saw, yeah, we've seen this That's before in Marvel problem. television, but um, we've actually seen, like, superheroes killing each other in the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, they're taking live shots. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's guns in hand. They're taking, they're shooting with live rounds, you know, not like goodnight bullets, like on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, uh, you know, there, there's a body count. Yeah. You know. And, of course, they suffer from these actions because they're brought in by the Secretary, Secretary of Straight, um State General Ross. Yes, uh, same General Thunderbolt Ross from The Incredible Hulk, played by the always uh, accountable William Hurt. Yeah, the only the only role I think they actually brought out of that movie since it's come out, right? Yeah, no, The, the Incredible Hulk is, I thought it was a fair movie, but um, as for continuity, now that different Bruce Banner, the whole nine yeah, yards. but te- technically it is still canon. Yeah, so it's perfect. It's perfect yeah. bringing him in because, I mean, people who saw the movie would be like, oh, that's General Ross. And other people like, whatever. Yeah, much calmer now. I drive around tanks all the time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he presents the Avengers with um, the Sokovia Accords because of all the damage done in, like, um, like in, the, in the first Avengers film when New York got destroyed and Washington when, during Winter Soldier 2 where they crashed the helicarriers into right. the ground. Yeah, you basically get, they bring you up to speed on how much shit the Avengers have destroyed during their tenure on Earth. Um, you, you get clips from, like you said, the first Avengers, New York, you get Sokovia, you get uh, watching the S.H.I.E.L.D. base come down too in the Winter Soldier. That reminded me, I was like, oh, yeah, things went really south for for um, for the Avengers that time around. Um, but yeah. they presented in a sort of, very visceral way where as you see the buildings fall down and the body count start to rise that you're like, dude, okay, they, they're in deep shit trouble. Yeah, and I feel like that's one of the things that Marvel has done a good job with is keeping the constants. Because, mm-hmm. like, of course, when you saw that in Avengers 1, there you're like, like, yay, we saved the city. And then yeah. at, the, at the end of Winter Soldier, they're, they're, you know, everyone's like, you know, even when you're watching it, you're like, yeah, like everyone got it okay. Uh-huh. And the same thing happened in Avengers 2, like, yeah, you know, they stopped the city from imploding. Yeah. So I feel like the audience is almost hit with them as much shock as the Avengers once they like are shown their body count mm-hmm. and shown um, like this is actually what you caused. Like I know you think you guys walked away and everything was okay, but like look at all these people suffering, crawling around with, like out legs. Yeah, like you dropped a city someplace. Like major aliens crashed in New York. 
well, dude, this is all due to the age of terrorism and, and, and 9-11, all this happening. We would never have acknowledged this in our art before. Because if you look at any sort of 1980s Reagan-era driven action flick like Commando or fucking Rocky IV or whatever, or even in the Rambo movies, if something gets blown up, I don't care if it's a building, a bunker, or a children's hospital. As long as the hero emerges going, ah, we, didn't, we didn't give a shit. We're like, that's fucking badass. And the more shit that blows up, the better. But, you know, well, nowadays, yeah, and that's, 2016, that's, we got to look at what, what's being destroyed because the people are the collateral damage that makes sense in the art. Yeah, and that's, that's how you feel as a viewer the first time watching. And that's one thing Batman v Superman nailed was that sort of 9-11 parallel with the on-the-ground um, POV of oh, what was I think I think they almost in Metropolis. like purposely like you know derived on that. Yeah, like no, they fed was, they fed off that idea. That's for sure. It was really effective too. Well, yeah, you got Ben Affleck holding a little girl, like looking at the building yeah. filled with angst. Yeah, that was that was iconic. I like that. But yeah, so here we are, and uh, the Avengers are put to a test. Man, they 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 have a choice to make with the Sokovia Accords either. Sign the accords, be registered as, um, you know, an enhanced human. Or retire. Or just call it, yeah. Which, yeah, when they list off who signed it, um, without him even being introduced on screen, Hawkeye's like, oh, retired. Right, yeah. Like, I'm not even dealing with that right now. No. Like, I got a ski trip with the kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So, while all this is going on, all these political themes and rivalries going on, you think, oh, there's, there's no possible way they're also going to be able to fit the introduction of Black Panther and Spider-Man and all this. Well, yeah. Black Panther's intricate to the plot, though. I know. That's why it's kind of surprising. They definitely succeed in multitasking all these ideas. Yeah. Yeah, and he's done well. Chadwick Boseman, who plays the Black Panther, uh, does a tremendous job with it. He gives it sort of a nice uh, royal gravitas where I never felt like his vengeance was misplaced uh, or anything like that. I, I knew why he was going after Bucky. I knew what he was doing and why he was doing it. It wasn't just there for plot. And um, the choreography, once he starts fighting, mm. holy shit, that's he, amazing it, they, stuff. They, they, yeah, they nailed somehow for him to fight like a cat. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very um, like serpentine and jungle-like. It's really cool. Yeah, of course, he, he, uh, yeah, he gets his own little Bruce Wayne moment. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. He when, goes through uh, that little bit. Yeah, because they're at they're in uh, Vienna when um, they're there just to ratify the accords and um, King T'Chaka. Yeah, that's right. He goes on to state that because vibranium was um, stolen during you know the event, mm-hmm. they from wanted, Wakanda. Yeah, from Wakanda, they wanted to come out of the shadows as a silent nation to mm-hmm. make sure they're nation was is not soiled in their legacy almost yeah. so you get the whole introduction like okay hey, this is why we haven't been kind of like doing what we're doing this is why you haven't heard of us but mm-hmm. like because of this shit that just happened like yeah. we're gonna speak up a little bit yeah i dug that and they had, they had nice little father-son moments too yeah and you don't really need to stress us anymore i think on the death of parents with superheroes i know <laughs> i don't think you need to like spend too much time on it mm-hmm. like okay just like his, his dad died but i right, i know exactly how that's done because I've seen it like 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> and I respect the fact that they actually brought the clicks in during their dialogue and the subtitles were there telling us what they are saying but dad even came in with a little well, oh okay there it is mm. the, the gods must be crazy part three. <laughs> That's an old reference. <laughs> yeah then they they pull off that and then they bring in the much anticipated new appearance of Spider-Man. Yes, yeah, Spidey shows up uh, because uh, both sides are collecting members 
because they know they're going to get into an eventual scrap. And um, uh, Tony Stark pulls out this uh, ace in the hole out of mm. Spider-Man in Queens. And uh, it's cool how he, you know, goes like, how does Iron Man know fucking Spider-Man? Is it, well, well yeah, you got you to gotta assume he has surveillance all over the city. Yeah, but the thing is, he's familiar with his computer work and his grants and stuff. And, you know, he goes to, like, I don't know, what the Tony Stark Academy of Hacking or whatever the fuck they say. But Tony's, you know, he knows his his uh, his work in computers and science and stuff. But he no, also I don't think, I don't think he does because he was going to high school. I remember he lied about all that, didn't he? Well, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, Tony recognizes some of the retro tech, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he walks no in reason like, yeah. you should have all this." And you're, you're, young du- you're dumpster diving. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, we see a much younger Peter Parker than we've ever seen on film. The high school version, not the Tobey Maguire in his mid twenties pretending. Yeah, you know, was he a junior or senior in fucking Spider Man? Yeah, yeah. It, it it's not it, the high school thing. It's hard to buy. This kid is nineteen, maybe, and he looks like he's a yeah, yeah. You, you have like maybe like I I have to assume he's younger than I am, so he has to be like nineteen, maybe just eighteen. Yeah, but he plays sixteen. I'm fine with that. He. Rushes it as Peter Parker. This is before he's even Spider Man. I was loving him as Peter Parker. Also, they cast Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, which is fucking amazing. You would never think that, but really, Marissa Tomei is in her fifties. She can play an aunt. Yeah, and obviously Tony Stark wants the hot aunt. <laughs> he's going after her. Yeah, the little banter because Tony Stark, if he, I think, encountered Marissa Tomei, he yeah, would. Right. He would. He would do that. And that was a good start off. Oh, what are you, a fucking world traveler? <laughs> And then you have, uh, finally, someone has acknowledged the fact that you don't need to tell us origin stories all the time. Yeah, we didn't deal with Uncle Ben or the Green Goblin or fucking Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy or any of that mess. It's just, this is Spider-Man. Yeah, he's, he's been, been doing this, six this shit on YouTube. He's doing it for half a year, you know. And I, I, for me, I gotta tell you, I've always been touch and go with Spider-Man. When he was announced for this, I thought, wow, that's impressive that they actually got Sony and Disney to shake hands on this one. Um, but in the end, I was like, you know, whoopty shit. That sounds gimmicky to me. You're jamming Spider-Man to Civil War. I don't get it. Well, you all, we all know how you've been hurt, man. No, no. <laughs> we all know what Amazing Spider-Man 3 did to us. Well, then all. that, yeah. Amazing. Well, Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3 was a fucking mess. That's, yeah. But then the Amazing Spider-Man 2 was also a massive misfire. Uh, but they both suffered from the same problems. They jammed too many characters, especially villains down our throat. And it just didn't take. The whole thing was a mess. Jamie Foxx was wasted as, um, what, Shocktro? Electro. Electro. Yeah, okay. Electro. I was never worried about the character. He was never scary or menacing. Then you take a film like, let's go all the way back to Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock, and just that is what the perfect movie sequel should look like. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the sequels that surpassed the original. I felt I'd been burned by Spider-Man too many times. I kind of wanted the Tobey Maguire ones to continue back then and re- redeem the horrible of, of part three. But it didn't happen. So when I heard Spider-Man was, I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I, I don't really care. And then the big trailer reveal came out, the giant Civil War trailer. And then Spidey lands, grabs a shield. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. <laughs> I remember being in the theater and everybody just oh and they jerked off on the seat in front of them. Well, I'm, I'm not I'm gonna like, say I did. So what? You know? yeah. Seeing the movie Captain America: Civil War, I am psyched for Spider Man. Yeah, they, that's all it takes is the right execution and the right actor in the tights, and I was blown away, man. Well, it's like Kevin Feige or every pants last name. He was asked, you know, because everyone wants to know, like, okay, well, what's 
like, oh, Marvel's secret formula. Yeah. And they asked they asked him, like, hey, like, what's the secret? And all he said was, like, we did exactly, exactly what Deadpool did, is mm-hmm. we just make a story true to the comics. Like, if you want to know what the secret is, it's source material. Yeah. Yeah, they're respectful. They never go too far off the reservation. And even the changes that they make... Mm-hmm are for the benefit of the story and the character. Yeah, the dramatic license they take is weighed out very carefully. Always has been. I mean, they've had their mistakes, like like the Mandarin. I mean... The Wolverine. Yeah, but that we that's... We blame that on Fox. You blame... Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite Frank Miller stories of all time, and they botched it. You know, like... Okay, the Mandarin... I, I remember when I saw the goof in Iron Man 3, I was saying, Jesus Christ, thank God I'm not a diehard Iron Man fan or comic reader, or if I've invested my you know, excitement in the Mandarin for years to come because I would be as livid as these people are. Yeah, it was kind of a horrible situation, but that's, so Marvel realizes, like, hey, you guys know who Spider-Man is. We don't got to bullshit here. Yeah. Like, you know, we we know you know who Spider-Man is. I mean, he's bit by a spider, like, there you go. So they just throw throw him right into the mix. And you already know from, because they assume everyone's seen the last movies. Yeah. They give, they're able to just simplify him down to, like, I just fight for the little guy. Yeah, I dug that. Yeah, he's like, hey, I'm just a high school kid. Mm-hmm. I can't go to Germany because I got homework. Yeah. That- <laughs> and I just want to fight for the little guy. Like, right, he's not right. worried about this big grand scale that's going on. He's just a, he's just a teenager in high school. And yeah. He's like, oh, oh sweet. I get you. Yeah, he doesn't even ask questions of why he has to go fight Captain America. Yeah. He's just like, oh, Tony Stark's going to give me a suit. Yeah, that's and pretty much it. I am going to be in the Avengers, and right. I'm going to fight people for a better cause. That's all he cares about. Like, when he's, fighting, when he's fighting Captain America, and he said... Um, like, oh, Mr. Stark said you told we would say that. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Oh, and then he's like, you know, he's like, Mr. Stark told me to go for your legs. Right. He's like, hey, I'm just here because I'm a big fan of Tony Stark, uh-huh. and he gave me this cool stuff. And even at the end, you know, that, that comedy of when he, you know, because he, of course, gets a shield slapped by Captain America. Jesus. Yeah, let's 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 talk about that whole fight scene. The Battle Royale. The Battle Royale. Before I get too in deep into it. comic book era, man. I was blown away. Yeah, I mean, you start with because they all they all start slowly arriving to the airport, mm-hmm. and then um, you know, Tony Stark just got Spider Man. You know, he just got Spider Man. Yeah, so and he's gonna bring him. Yeah, right Captain America sticking with the insect theme. They grab Ant Man. Yeah, um, that was a ball. Paul Rudd's so great. Oh yeah, and he wakes up, and I think I read somewhere that that, that reaction when he was shaking his hand. It's was real. Like, it's real. Yeah, because he gets to hang out with Captain America and Iron Man and everything. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'm a superhero now. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's real. like, people are going to see this. I'm shaking Captain America's hand. Right. Like, he didn't care about Chris Evans. He's like, I was shaking, shaking Captain America's hand. Yeah, exactly. So they all start to assemble, and then they just start going at one of the most cinematic rumbles of superheroes I've ever seen. And it, as silly as that sounds, it's so believable, and it's so badass. The choreography of... Fighting and fighting styles and escapes and powers. I mean, you got characters using their powers to throw one guy into the field while another one catches him with their powers and flings him through a plane. It's like perfectly, it's like martial arts with superpowers and it looks great. Yeah, you. I mean, you see all of them combining their powers to like work together. I mean, you got freaking Hawkeye shooting Ant-Man off the, ant- off yeah, the arrow. Yeah, that was that brilliant. Was, that is they finally did that. Yeah, and that's comic perfect from what yeah. I understand. That's lifted right off the panel. Yeah, I mean, it's... And it's fun, too. It's a fun fight because they're in each other's ear, giving each other tips what to do. Go over here, get this guy. And they're making jokes and quips and shit. 
Um, the Winter Soldier and uh, Falcon have some of the funniest odd couple interviews. Oh my god, when uh, when Winter Soldier's in the backseat of the of the bug, <laughs> and, just... and he's like, if Falcon's in the front, he's like, can you, can you, can you scoot your seat up? Your seat up? <laughs> and he goes, no, no. <laughs> And then yeah. you, oh, then you have the the probably one of the best scenes in the entire in the entire movie. And you quote me on this. It's where they're flat out on the floor, isn't it? No, when but. he um when Cap starts kissing Sharon, Sharon Carter. <laughs> yeah. And he kisses <laughs> him, and he looks back, and Winter Soldier and Falcon yeah. are just nodding in approval, they like got, it's all of a sudden this is some high school buddy movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, hey, they, we're all. It <laughs> brought the best levity to it, man. It was funny as hell. Yeah, I mean, and then then the fight starts. You have um, Black Panther versus. Is Bucky. Yeah. You have uh, Hawkeye versus Black Widow. You have uh, Captain America fighting Spider-Man, which is basically Queens v. Brooklyn. Yeah, straight up, and they and they acknowledge it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he's like you got uh, the war yeah. machine going after Falcon. I know there's so many different uh, square offs. And then you got the debut of Ant Man going Giant Man. That I didn't see that comment, and I'm glad they kept that shit out of the trailers. Well, it was kind of leaked due to a Lego set. Apparently, Lego is always the leading factor on spoilers. Oh yeah, with their toys and whatnot. They released the Lego set, and it was it was that scene with a big Ah. Atman. So when that got leaked, they're like, "Oh, okay, he must go that in in the movie." That's funny too, because you say that a lot of the time the leaked toys are right, and a lot of time they're ass backwards. Because Mm -hmm. I remember one of the leaked toys this summer was. uh, Lex Luthor's battle suit, the green and purple. You gave me one of those. You gave me a minifigure of that. Yeah, a little minifigure. I'm like, oh, this must mean that Lex Luthor appears in the suit. Oh, this is going to be badass, dude. He's going to fight him bionically. Uh, No. And then second best scene in the movie is when Spider-Man swings around and, hey, you guys seen that really old movie? (laughs) Yeah, they're taking out Giant Man. Empire Strikes Back. Um, You know that part when they're on the snow planet with the walking thingies? Right. That's funny you bring it up because the whole time that he's circling Giant Man in his with his web, I'm like, dude, set harpoon and tow cables. I'll cover you. I'm yeah. like, that's what he's doing. He's gonna say it sooner or later. And then he's like, Empire Strikes. How young is this kid? I don't know. I didn't carbon date him. Just follow him. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, okay, we got a young Spider Man our hands. And he and it worked. <laughs> you know, it always works. Yeah, and then up to this point, you've seen kind of Baron Zemo. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is Baron Zemo, which mm-hmm. is quite quite different from the comic literation, but still good. But he the entire movie he's working the long long game. Yeah. What's the best way to make the Avengers implode as to just make them do it themselves? But so. you don't even know that that's what he's trying to do until probably the last thirty minutes <sighs> of the movie. What a bombshell! You know, it, it, there's um, yeah. <laughs> The reason everyone is fighting is definitely put up on Front Street as the Sokovia Accords, and do you want to be registered, do you want to be governed and regulated? But that's not what makes it personal, and you don't get that till later in the film, and it's fed out, it's paid out as the movie begins and it gets to the middle in such a, such a clever way that you never really find your attention focused on the secret that's right in front of you, man. Yeah, like, there, that's one thing I noticed from going back in second time is that they're like, like, it's been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you look, I'm sure on a second viewing, you're just watching on, oh, boom, there it is. Well, it's I'm like, oh. December 16th, oh. 1991. Yep. Right? That's so. the date. The, the, if you have gotten this far into the podcast without hearing us repeat the fact that there are spoilers, then just yeah. turn it off now. Yeah. We learned that uh, Winter Soldier 
Bucky Barnes is actually the person to kill Tony Stark's parents. That is frighteningly right. Yeah. And they dangle it in front of you the whole movie. It starts out, you know, with him at MIT showing the scene. Mm-hmm. Before that, it starts out with uh, Bucky being awakened as the Winter Soldier crashing, crashing the car. Yeah. Which so we f- never see. He crashes the car and, you know, I think we hear a little... And then he opens the trunk and gets some whatever out of it. And we find out later it's that serum to make more Winter Soldiers, but that they never show the driver. They never show who's in that car. Yeah, and you don't really, you don't really think about it too much. I mean, I'm sure people out there have guessed, and apparently Val knows. She, she was in there, man. She was, her Sherlock brain was going. She got it. Because we were like, <gasps> and she's like, oh, please. You knew that was coming. We're like, no, we fucking did Yeah, I'm like, no, no, didn't guess that. I tried to tell her that the other day. I'm like, the reason me and Marcus did not understand that Winter Soldier killed Tony's parents because we were on the roller coaster. Yeah, like. Paying attention to what the movie was doing for you. I wasn't sitting there like, oh, Martha. That's why. <laughs> like, you know, that was. <laughs> <son of> a <laughs> bitch. Oh, did we just become best friends? Like, oh, it must be Martha. God damn it. But no, and up to up to this point, yeah, they're they're all fighting for. They're fighting because, you know, they kind of have to. They're just like, you know, it's not really, like, personal as an I- I- ideological. Mm-hmm. So when you well, get... Well, even when they're fighting, they're fighting to knock each other out and to, ma- to, like, you know, take each other down pretty hard. When Tony finds out that it was Bucky mm. that killed his parents, him and Cap are fighting to kill. Yeah, and, and Bucky, there, there are some... Bucky was already fighting to kill from the start. You right. remember that scene where um, Tony throws on that iron glove? Jesus, yeah. When he has the fucking gun, he's, he was going right for his eye. And you, for a split second, if you pause that movie, I don't know how he pulled that look off. Oh, but Downey Robert Jr.? Downey Jr. pulls that look. Yeah. They're like, holy fuck, this he just tried to kill me. kill me. And yeah. it flashes for a split second. And it's so... He's got both hands on the barrel and he just moved to the side. Yeah, and he gets that tiny second. Oh. You see in his eye where it's like, how did you do that? Great acting choice. Yeah, that yeah. was... That was great for me. From the moment he realizes that, I, I agree with you, is those those were kill shots. Definitely, yeah. And it comes to that phenomenal, like, just amazing zo- slow zoom-in shot of them fighting in the corridor, all three of them just going at it. You know, Bucky, Cap, and Iron Man. And, you know, obviously as they're going at it, they're all getting more and more worse to wear. I mean fucking Tony's suit looks like a battery. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all he's really got on him. And then, you know, that's the first thing they start going for. Yeah, they actually are going after the weaknesses in his suit. And I was like, you dirty bastards. Yeah, so, and then, then comes that line, which when you see it in the trailers and hurt in the trailers, it wasn't as heartbreaking because you don't know what the hell was going on. Right. But when, after you know exactly what has happened, and um, he says... You know, he's my, he's friend. my friend. And he's like, so was so I. So was I. But we're done. <laughs> he was like, well, because you, after all these movies you've seen, yeah. Marvel playing this long game mm-hmm. to finally come to that moment to see these people in these movies for so long. Yeah. And then see something like, oh, you're going to rather go with this kid, which, as you know, is Captain America's only remaining friend and relative from before from he was Zera. frozen. Yeah. Because he loses Peggy Carter in this movie as well. Yeah. His last, his last link to that old world. Yeah. And then it's finally, uh, when he came back, the only friend he had was Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And then he figures out Bucky's alive, and then you get to that point where you know, okay, well, this dude's my best friend too. Yeah. And then finally you have to choose between them, and always you're choosing between them, but he's choosing this guy who just killed his, he figured out who killed his mother and father. And sees it too. The, the, the surveillance footage, Watches the footage is right. He sees them kill them both. Like that scene definitely turns a lot, ends up to be a lot more heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's all Zemo's doing. It's all he was trying to get revenge. 
after losing his family in Sokovia, so he played the long con, and uh, he was holding on to that little piece of information. He knew they would unearth it, and um, it's it's like you know it's like a it's a two hour wind up toy, and then he just yeah, lets it go. What I like most about it is there's there is no real villain. Yeah, they they took on, which I think is very beneficial to storytelling. Like they didn't have to worry about like the world blowing up or as cliche or as it you is, know the end of the, end of the universe. Enemies. It's just pure like two and a half hours of character development. Yeah. Oh, it's driven. the The story arc is very actually quite thin. But if you hang these amazing characters on it, and you have them well developed, and they all have their own motivations and foibles, and you know comic stuff and drama stuff you just let them fly and they drive the whole damn movie and the story catches up to those amazing characters and that's what i like the most about it. even the most under underdeveloped ones in the movie uh, they shine through yeah yeah falcon is actually a very very good tool in the whole story and he's yeah. funny oh anthony mackie's great and you, you you got um you got paul rudd as ant-man come in who doesn't yeah. you know isn't really involved too much but it's great yeah he doesn't disappoint i, I love uh they're they're playing kind of a data got a emotion chip with vision right now a little bit uh, with him semi romancing. Yeah, because we all yeah we all know that in, in the comics they they're lovers. Right. They end up having a kid do some to, due to some technological errors. Well, it's cute watching him contemplate paprika. Yeah, I that mean, cool. I enjoyed the cooking with a vision segment. Yeah. We- <laughs> Later on, we'll debate what the hell this crystal in my head means. You know what? Fuck it. We're just getting pizza. That's right. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, so they, they, they managed to balance all these other characters on a low level with, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel like Hawkeye's kind of become, like, self-realized like realized in the in the movies. Yeah. Like, no one cares about me, man. I just shoot arrows. Yeah, and most of the arrows he shoots in this movie do dick. Well, I don't know, because he stopped vision in his tracks. Well, that's true. And then he's sitting a herd of, of cars against Iron Man. Yeah. Using God knows what. Yeah, that is true. But he's like realized, you know, like, hey, I'm just a guy with a bunch of arrows. Right. Yeah, but he's fine. Jeremy Renner plays it really well. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of Age of Ultron, uh, you're kind of introduced to sort of the new Avengers and the old ones split off and do their own thing. And I remember seeing uh, that movie and going, wow, the Avengers are broken. It's like, (laughs) no, they're not. At the end of this movie, they're broken. Yeah, and that's one thing I've heard they want to set up before Infinity War, Mm -hmm. is that we want, so that when this happens, the most threatening thing to, like, the whole universe, like, we want to make sure before they have to face that, that they're broken. See, yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's funny you bring that up, because I was thinking, obviously Thanos is the big baddie. You know, and he's going to dominate the next two films. He has to. Because I was saying to myself, Baron Zemo is brilliant. What he did was brilliant. But as a character himself, I felt it was a diminishing return on a villain. I'm like, this is not Loki. This is not, uh, this isn't even Red Skull. I just found him to be very sort of, all right, your motivations are simple. But you as a character are really more of a plot device. Mm -hmm. You know, because it just wasn't. I really relish a lot of the villainous parts in the Marvel universe, and I was just like, dude. All yeah, right. well, yeah, everyone knows one of their flaws is the villain syndrome. And they've been teasing Thanos for so many movies. I'm starting to get fucking impatient. I think that's, I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, but I mean, they're going to deliver. If Josh Brolin is still the one behind the makeup and the mocap, it's going to be fucking monumental. And then Dark Seed's going to come after that. And people are going to be like, "Hey, you copied!" And I'm going to be like, "Oh, fucking Marvel fanboys again." 
Yeah, no, so. no, no. That's that's what it is. I think that was mentioned by uh, Tristan in the last one. Is it's kind of gonna be like who's gonna have the egg on their face? Oh, right. Like, yeah. who, like who's uh, like who's getting Dark Side out first, or is it gonna be Thanos out first? Right. As you can tell, I'm a D, I'm a disciple. I'm a DC uh, DC fan all the way. But I, I totally respect Marvel and everything like that. Yeah, because it's even been stated that uh, Thanos' original character design was kind of inspired by Dark Side. Yeah. No, I've heard that debated back and forth too, and. The problem with comic arguments is they will take your life. Yeah, I mean, they'll take your life. Your your job's gone. Family, forget it. If you had a hobby, lose it. Yeah, the the age old uh, debate of comics. Yeah. Um, in closing, any anything else you want to discuss about how Civil War went with you? Um, yeah, Val brought this up to me, and I wholly agree with it. She's like, "Okay, after this movie, it's time for fucking Black Widow the movie," and I'm like, "Yes," because. She's like the only full-on Avenger who doesn't have any powers, just ridiculous skills, pretty cool tech, and just this unbelievable assassin's drive. She's a perfect spy, perfect agent, and in this movie, she wrecked motherfuckers. She really did. She, she used, she used the guy as a guy as a body shield against a grenade and a tank. That was badass. <laughs> she is so boot, and I, I dug it, and... Uh, yeah, I, I heard Kevin Feige has said that they're fully committed to finally doing a, a straight-out standalone Black Widow movie, and that's cool because um, I feel bad about how her marketing on Age of Ultron, she wasn't featured. No, like, she, at she all. wasn't. And I, I felt like it's a big step in the wrong direction because the rise of super strong female characters needs to just continue. That train needs to barrel on. I mean, I'm talking Ray from Force Awakens, Agent May on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Black Widow... Fucking uh, Imperator Furiosa. Mm. It's been such that, that, that Mad Max is a great example. rise for female characters that I think Black Widow needs her own movie. Because everybody I talk to about DC and shit, I go, yeah, Justice League's coming out. They're like, yeah, that's going to be cool. But fucking Wonder Woman is coming out, <laughs> you know? And I can't yeah, wait it's to kind see of Wonder first, Especially we've seen something of that caliber. Yeah, exactly. On that scale. Right, and I'm looking forward to that. Well, they said, they've said of Black Widow that it's not a question of if, uh, but of is when. Is when, yeah. you got to fit her standalone well, we have, we have whole Yeah, tale. we have whole phases of movies that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Are out yet? They said they've already planned them. Yeah. Said there's so many more Marvel and these movies that we have planned that you haven't even seen a sign of. It is crazy. Um, my favorite director of all time, Steven Spielberg, has said publicly many times that superhero movies are about to implode. The yeah, people are getting people tired of them, and they're I've had enough of this and that. I. Don't see it, man. I, as far as I know, I think they have movies slated in the comic universe, both DC and Marvel, and even some Image stuff coming out. Kevin Feige recently said that it's going to spend decades. Well, it has been. These movies have yeah. been a long time coming, and then when they would come out, you know, a long time ago, they were mostly cultish, or they were joked upon, or for some reason, Dolph Lundgren was the Punisher. <laughs> and so, but now, I mean, we're it, it's it's really kind of an age of comic book films, and they're not stopping. I, mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, money, I don't see them getting slowed down anytime no. soon. They're just announcing more sequels and spinoffs and this and that. I mean, I can't wait for. I mean, Deadpool two, you have, Wonder Woman, and everything. You have Warner Brothers panicking at the moment. Yeah, they, they, it's it's not situation critical over there, but they definitely need a, a think tank. But yeah, then you have about making then you have better. tanks like. Marvel, who have no intention of stopping anytime soon. Yeah. No, Marvel rolls on. I mean, fuck, the weakest Marvel films I've seen. Uh, I don't really count Hulk, Ang Lee's Hulk. Uh, that's more well, of... Well, technically, that's a standoff. Is it if, a stand- if, we're, if we're talking Marvel Studios... Let's stay with the cinema MCU. Yeah, what's All in right. the MCU? 
Uh, Thor Ragnarok? Yeah, that's coming up. No, I'm sorry, not the Thor Ragnarok. Oh, Thor, Thor, Thor 2 Dark World. Dark World. Like I, Dark I, had, I had a slight problem with that one. Oh, okay. And then especially using Christopher Eccleston in such a, in such a small manner. Yeah, they buried him in all that makeup. I don't, I don't know why you'd shine. have I don't know why you'd have a Shakespearean actor and and the uh, the ninth doctor mm-hmm. for God's sakes and just give him a couple, you know, one-dimensional roles. Yeah. I mean, you see him. You see him trying to act that shit out. But he just happen. he just can't. He's like, I want to do this so bad. Completely unrecognizable. But just what they've given to me is like, I can't do it. No hint of Raymond Kalitri. <laughs> do you get that reference? I don't, but I'm sure some people yeah, will. Yeah, they will. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think very few mistakes. And maybe the other one, I, I enjoy Iron Man 3 as much. Yeah, I mean... There, there are some movies that have a lot less weight to them, and I'll go with Iron Man. I think actually I like Iron Man three better than two. Um, yeah, I know we've had, we had this question. We actually we actually differ. Whiplash didn't really do it for me. He felt really underdeveloped and more just we need a villain. Let's give Mickey Rourke a fucked up Russian accent and turn and him a loose. bird and, and the bird. And give, my him, bird. give him the bird. Uh, drone is better. Yeah, drone is better. I I didn't like three just because He's not my bird. I think it's the only time that they've. Taken source material and used it in the wrong way. They wiped their ass with the Mandarin legend. <laughs> well, not only that, but I'm talking about the um, what was the virus name again? Oh hell, I don't know. Every time I, I know I virus, have this book, so I'm a kick my ass if I can't remember it. Chimera or fucking Captain Trips to me. I no, am. it starts with an I. I don't know. But any, oh, extremist. I'm sorry. It starts with oh, the, extremist. Yeah, the okay. extremist virus. Because Extre- right, okay. you have you have that series, and I've read that series, mm-hmm. and. It's probably the only time I've seen Marvel take their take the source material and kind of wipe their ass. With yeah, exactly. Bit. Yeah, I haven't read Extremis before when I heard people, oh, this is a brilliant series, and they're giving you, like, Cliff's notes. Yeah, and one of the things, I, I, I guess they took it out for a good reason, but in the comics, he kind of takes the Extremis virus into himself, mm-hmm. and it lets him communicate with his suit better. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So it kind of takes Tony Stark in that comic run and elevates him to having a, a bit of a superpower. Well, you want to talk suits, man. Uh, altogether, he spends 14 minutes of a two-hour and change film in the suit. It's it's Tony Stark's fucking Hardy Boys mystery. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you 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 it dwindled down the line. Iron yeah. Man one, he was in the suit all, kind of all the time. All the time. As you get further and further, he's just Tony Stark now. Right. Yeah. I th- I think that's probably because um, it's a lot more fun for Robert Ju- Robert Downey Jr. to play the fully realized Tony Stark. You know, he can, uh, you know. He has wild gestures and facial things and things he can't do in the suit. Because when he's in the suit, we get the POV of him and his H and his uh, heads-up display. That's about yeah, it. his uh, Friday is now because he doesn't have Jarvis anymore. Because I miss Jarvis vision. so much. No, I know we, that all, he's we all weep for locked in vision and this and that. I know it's a cute way to keep Paul Bettany in the film, but I still want him. You know, so would you like me to have a scotch waiting for you when you return home? <laughs> yes, mechanical Alfred. That's exactly what I want. Yeah, he had his own. La- that was that was their Batman at the time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, well, do you agree we've said all we could basically say about this movie for right now? Yeah, I think we hit on some pretty good broad points. And and to tell you the truth, um, we didn't spoil the entire film. Just some of the big reveals, big what, broad what, what did we not spoil? I said we just slammed that shit down. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the Oh, okay. The post-credit tease and the mid-credit tease. Oh, Spider-Man stance. has some Stark tech. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he's got he's got a little watch that broadcasts his new emblem, mm-hmm. and it has like all this stuff around it. So you know he's got like you know spider signal. He's got spider signal. Bro. Yeah, man, that's pretty cool. And uh, because of all the bullshit that uh, Bucky caused, he um, elects to go into cryo freeze. 
yeah, and, and they're all cool. They're like, yeah, I know we spent this whole time trying to get you out of it. Now you kind of want to get back in. That's yeah, cool. No, and all. you go ahead and yeah, do but go ice ahead, cube. go ahead and do your thing, bro. Yeah. Hope fat bastard doesn't take your mojo while you're icing it. Yeah, missing. Oh, missing an arm because Iron Man ripped it off. Yeah, they <laughs> they they all come to a point during that final fight where they're just like, I am done fucking around with you. I'm ripping your arm off, and in return, Bucky puts him into the wall and starts to peel his mask off like a fucking his arc reactor onion. Off. Yeah, he peels the he starts digging at his arc reactor like he's Mola Ram going after a beating heart in Temple of Doom. <laughs> And, and and then you and have how about the kill shot, not kill shot, where Cap has the shield and slams the arc reactor instead. Damn. And then I'm faced with the most heartbreaking line of the movie. Yeah. Where he says, Hold on, I wrote it down because it struck me. Yeah, well Marcus is looking, I'll just tell you guys physically what happens. The, like Tony Stark's helmet has been peeled away, his face is revealed, Cap is furious, they're just going at it fucking tooth and nail. And Cap brings his shield down, and you hear this crunch. But, you know, the the angle was he was going to crush his head. But instead, he buries it in his arc reactor, fucking twists the shield like a knife. And just, you hear... And he's laying there, and he looks up. He looks up at Cap, and he said, that shield doesn't belong to you. You don't deserve it. My father made that shield. And then Captain America just drops it. Yeah. And like, you see, right. as it drops, clang right into frame with Black Panther scratches through it and everything. Yeah, but as we know, just... he's rocking the vibranium too, so I guess the only thing that can put a mark on vibranium is vibranium. Yeah, no, it was cool. It was it um, really good, um, I don't want to say foreshadowing, but just sort of uh, a reflection of what these characters have gone through. They're just, they're battle-scarred forever. Yeah, emotional so. movie, a very emotional movie, but... The thing about Marvel is their formula is so perfect that it never stops being fun. You're never bored. You're never looking at your watch. Um, they, their, their pacing is flawless. That's where uh, DC and Zack Snyder need to pick up on. Yeah, and the just choreography keeps notes. you glued. Yeah. You want to talk about a fight. I mean, the movie was called Batman v Superman, and they had maybe a round and a half before the Martha reveal. Yeah, they didn't really... Fight at all. And it wasn't so much of a fight as Superman first getting through his bat booby traps. I'm like, I fucking felt like I was watching a round of Worms Armageddon. And I, I know the, the days following that, like, I know it was hard for you to admit that. It is, you know. I, I know you were very hurt personally by that movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I backed DC so hard, and I'm a Superman fan, you know, through and through. But at the same time, I said to myself, I can't just delude myself. I know Civil War is going to knock it out of the fucking park. And if they don't, it'll be real situation critical for the future Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. But right now, uh, DC needs to take Justice League into the shop and uh, just just work a lot on lighter tone, better pacing. I like that they're still asking huge questions about God and redemption well, yeah, and the betrayal. Themes, the themes were there. They're biblical. I like that yeah. they go so big. The characters are there to play, but mm-hmm. there was just no place to yeah. play. No, Marvel is the perfect game of Tetris, man. They It all fits. So, um, I think we'll go on Civil War. Yeah, no, go run. Fucking run to what, see Civil War if you haven't yeah, seen go, it Yeah, go see that. I mean, we were recording this pretty near to when it just came out. It just came out yesterday. Yeah, big warning for people who haven't seen uh, Captain America 1 or 2 event. It's a completest si- yeah, sort they of they don't they don't, ba- they don't baby straight. you. Yeah, they don't they don't baby you in this. Yeah, you, better, get your Marvel you better know what's going on. Going. You got to know the Winter Soldier's history and Yeah, I would say you need to see Avengers 1, mm-hmm. Avengers 2, Winter Soldier 2, 
see Captain America 1. There, there are some movies you have to see. Iron Man 2, actually. You have to see Iron Man 2 to see Howard Stark. Yeah? Yeah, because that is very important to the plot. Some of the side gimmicks, you have to know who Ant-Man is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't even seen his movie all the way through, but thank God I knew that's Paul Rudd. He's Ant-Man. He's going to join one of their sides. Yeah, but there, and if you haven't seen Avengers 2, you don't know who Vision is. Yeah, do some homework. <laughs> yeah, got, so just... You know, if you've been if you've been seeing along, these movies already, you're you're you're, you're, all right. you're, you're, you're golden if you've been rolling along with the MCU. So, but um, one of the biggest news flashes of the week that I've been really excited about. Yeah, even, other even film though, news. Other film news. Even though I haven't been that excited about this, this is like my you know no. silver beam through the clouds. No, busted. I hear we have uh, our new Han Solo. Yeah, if a Han Solo movie's going to exist, they need to do shit right, and they got a great actor to do it. Um, was it Aaron? Out. Uh, Alan. Alan Eckrock or Alan? He's got a really cool sort of Nazi sounding name. It's uh, Alden Enreich. Alden Enreich, yes. Yeah, what, I apologize for butchering your name, dude. I doubt you're listening, so we'll mop that up. But I, I have been very anti Han Solo movie. I still am. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I don't see a reason for this movie to be made. Mm-hmm. We've already seen Young Han Solo. I don't, you know, I don't think we, like, I'm fine with not knowing anything about him. But my silver gleam of hope was when they cast this dude as a young Han Solo. Yeah, he stole Hail Caesar. Yeah, because about after uh, if you haven't seen Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers' most recent film, mm-hmm. and you see him, he's like, this dude can play a character. Yeah. No, it's great. Fully realized, too. Um, with really, really just... Um, he's got great acting, definitely. Yeah, and I... He has, he's got he has, great he acting? He has the look. The fuck? I sound like Donald Trump. I have words. I have the best words. I use words. The best acting. The best acting. I got acting that goes back years, fucking years. Shakespeare. Whatever. Sorry, go ahead. But, it, yeah, I am... I think I'm actually finally starting to get excited for this movie, especially since there's another rumor that came out. I don't know if this is actually real, but if it is, once mm-hmm. again, it's that, that one inch forward... Is that Tom Hardy who is being looked to play Boba Fett, I think. Are you shitting me? Wow. Or, yeah, I think it was Tom Hardy. That's, dude. I've come to avenge my father's death at your hands. Yeah, I mean... it was my father, too. That's amazing. I didn't know that. I just actually read that Lawrence Kasdan is writing the script, and that gives me a big ray of hope because he's one of the best Star Wars writers out there. The guy who wrote fucking Empire, enough said. He's sticking around too, man. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan is great. I'm glad he's writing it. That gives me a little hope because I, I figure you know Disney's going to start to throw more Star Wars movies at us. Make them be for something. I mean, I started to hear about these standalone. There's going to be a Yoda movie. There's going to be a Boba Fett. I'm like, slow the fuck down. Rogue yeah, like, One do we, is do a we... step in the right direction. Rogue One sounds brilliant to me because that is a story. The Inception yeah, of the Death it, Star. It gives you a little bit of room to kind of change how some of the stuff went down or give you more insight or just yeah. sow some seeds. Right, exactly. I mean, like was discussed in the last uh, podcast by Sean, he stated that, like, why do this if it's going to be for nothing? Yeah. Why make these new movies? Like, if you're going that far back, why not make them count? Because these are the stories that were told in the original trilogy by people just talking about them. We always had to visualize in our head or sometimes a comic book would come out but, I mean, when you hear about the Death Star and there were plans stolen and, you know... Well, yeah, when you... First, first Star Wars movie, you start off as like, hey, Darth Vader's looking for these prints. Right. Why? Where'd they come from? And What's that, it about? Yeah. And you get it all, but you never know how where it all came from. Yeah, they're from. literally giving you a prequel 
on the first thing you ever knew about Star Wars. Yeah. When that when everything went up, like, wow, that's true. I never. That's thought what of that. that's, that's what he's doing. That's the very first thing you learn. So the very first thing you ever learn about Star Wars, they chose that to go back and tell you actually. Hey, here's what happened. So technically, and I suppose theoretically, also Rogue One has to end with R two and three PO getting on uh, the Tantive four. Yeah, That's I mean, the only real way they can wrap up it, the way the way that it, it should be executed is you should be able to watch Rogue One and just have it on a loop to where a it new just hope comes on right after. A new hope. Yeah, and it it would just like you'd see nothing wrong with it. Yeah, if that's where they're going, that makes perfect sense because I think by the time Rogue One is done, the Death Star's built. Oh yeah, you know they're they're about to use it. That's right. what I said in the Rogue One trailer. A weapon test is imminent. That's right. Which means, hey, this thing's this thing's built. It's operational. We can go. Yeah, like we're getting ready to fire this thing, and they're not trying to steal plans so they can stop building it. Yeah, they're so desperate, they're just stealing them to see like hopefully there's something in here we can use to get rid of this thing because it's mm-hmm. already built, it's already getting tested. Yeah, and as we learned, it gets used. And they have confirmed several scenes. Matter of fact, a hearty roll. Uh, of Darth Vader in the movie. I pray, I pray Vader. every day for a just a really good return to Darth Vader yeah. because there's so much that you can actually do with that character, mm-hmm. like story wise. In though. that era too, when he's in you know, like one of his most badass sort of. Oh know, yeah, he's he's. I mean, if you've read some of the standalone Darth Vader comics, like mm-hmm. this dude's way more than the movies lit up to. Oh be. yeah. Oh, totally conflicted, this and that, questions the Emperor all the time. Immensely powerful. Yeah, holy crap. And you don't really see it much of that in the old trilogy, mainly because they just couldn't do that, really. But all in all, he's a Frankenstein's mm. monster, let loose, with a sharp intelligence, amazing war strategies. You know, he's a brilliant military leader. And, and so, yeah, this time around when they show him, I, I, I hope they're really getting into the meat of the character, which will obviously be voiced by James Earl Jones. Yeah, yeah I think he's already talked about returning. Yeah. It's just like no one should have to face hearing anyone but Mark Hamill in the upcoming rendition of The Killing Joke. Oh, yeah, man. That's a beautiful teaser, by the way. <coughs> I finally saw that. Batman, The Killing Joke. And uh, I was showing Valerie the trailer. And she goes, wow, that looks really cool. I'm like, no, no, no. Wait till the rating pops up. Rated R. And she's all, are you serious? They're going full tits on this. We're going to see everything. We're going to see the crippling. It's going to be violent. They're going to curse. Batman and Joker are going to punch the fuck out of each other. I already knew from that that clip in the trailer where they have um, Gordon tied up in like he's like lingerie or something. Yeah, the bonded shit. And they're taking him to the gallery. And as soon as I saw just a clip of that, I'm like, oh shit, they're doing it. Why aren't you laughing? Yeah, like, oh Oh, shit, they're doing it, dude. Yeah. If you haven't read The Killing Joke, go read it. Mm. Yeah, we talked about that in the Batman v Superman podcast about essential graphic novels. Anybody who's a Batman fan worth your fucking comic salt, The Killing Joke, buy it tonight if you haven't read it. Yeah, the, the biggest thing about Batman is it's not, it's not, his best stories aren't about, you know, like just Batman, it's about the writers he gets because Batman attracts so many fantastic yeah. artists and when you have someone like Alan Moore, Alan Moore working on a Batman story, mm-hmm. it's right up there with Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns because yeah. you got someone like Frank Miller working on this. First like, piece you that get, really yeah. uh, humanizes the Joker. You get you get these good writers attracted to these Batman stories, and you yeah. pump out stuff like the Killing Joke, mm-hmm. which almost isn't even a Batman story; it's a Joker story. But then again, I feel like most Batman stories aren't about Batman himself, but about yeah, the Rogues. But the Rogues Gallery, yeah. But no, st- <clears throat> steal yourself because some horrible things happen in that book. Yeah, if you're not prepped for it, it's a, it's definitely it's not. not stop it's, it's not for it's not for children. No. Yeah. So I'm glad it, I'm glad it earned that. But yeah, going on. back to uh, Star Wars uh, Rogue One. Uh, Costume designer has been on set. He goes, yeah, they're matching 
the uh, episode four outfit, like note for note, even down to the the sort of the dull helmet where it's not super shiny yet. Mm-hmm. The gloves are different. Even the buttons and the light configuration, <laughs> they're going just movie perfect. Well, because they know someone out there is going to see it. If yeah, they know. <laughs> someone <laughs> is going to be like, oh. Yeah. Do you know that on uh, the re- the old one, this button is uh, blue instead of red? Yeah. No, they're out there. I always thought something like that myself as I saw Empire and then Jedi. I'm like, dude, Vader's getting shinier and shinier. Oh, he was real shiny. Right? They're buffing him up by Jedi. It's like you could see the DP in his helmet. It's like, dude, move to the right. You're in frame. Like the first time you see him in Revenge of the, sh- the, 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 the Sith? Yeah. He's shiny as hell. Yeah. No, they just ran him through the turtle <laughs> wax and everything. Yeah. He got detailed. Yeah. <laughs> Full on. And, um, well, there are tidbits coming out now about Episode Eight, and while it's kind of cool to hear new stuff, I know that movie's pretty far away, I'm still like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, give it, like, let it rest for a second. That's why The Force Awakens was so badass. Cause yeah, because they, no one was, like, buzzing. There. You know? That no. Was, like, well, the only thing people were digging into with The Force Awakens was, is Kylo Ren Luke Skywalker? Is he his father? And everybody, no, you don't know dick about Kylo Ren, so good job on that, J.J., but now I heard something about episode eight that, you know, Kylo Ren discovers Rey on Luke's island. They have a talk. They don't like each other after that. Luke Skywalker's pissed off. And so him and Kylo Ren fight and they bring down the Jedi Temple. And I'm like, if this is true, I don't want to know it this far in. This, this no, far yeah, I, I try not even to listen to it. So you broke my heart a little bit right now. Oh, so- <laughs> So it's kind of hard to uh, you know, yeah, ignore. It's, it's on it's, all the movie sites. It's my, it's my job now. I have to live with it. I know. But that's the thing with the first Star Wars is when Force Awakens, I, I stay away from everything. It's the only time I've ever been like 100% yeah. spoiler free. So when I saw this movie, I really fucking saw this movie. That's true. No, I, I didn't. I remember uh, episode three, and even though now it doesn't sound like a huge thing because it's episode three, but I read the whole fucking novelization beforehand. Mm-hmm. I played the goddamn the Nintendo GameCube game, game, which you had cut scenes mm-hmm. from Sith before it even opened, and I was like, I know almost every broad stroke in this film. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it, it's much like I went. This is the freshest of a felt watching the movie. Yeah, and, and I don't want that to happen. Eight. No, no, I don't. You know. Because now we have stuff to speculate on. Now we yeah. have stuff to talk about. Yeah, no, because people are a lot more hungry for information because I think the tight lid that was put on the um, details of Force Awakens just made fans hungry and they're going to make them try harder to get onto sets and snap photos and this and yeah, that. Yeah, you, you knew it was coming, but you couldn't get it. Yeah, there's already overhead shots of the Millennium Falcon built in full sitting you know, on outside sound stages and shit like that. And it's like, okay, guys, I know what you're doing. Yeah, but I when just, the trailers come out, I'm not worried about that because they seem to have a really good handle on what they want to show you and yeah. get you excited about as opposed to the whole damn film. What you see in the main trailers for uh, Force Awakens, like I saw all three of the main, main trailers. Yeah. They had three main trailers. And they were fantastic, each one. And I watched all of them. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on. And every time I watched it, I got more stressed out. I'm like, yeah. I don't know who that dude is. I don't know what that dude's doing. How do they get back on the Falcon? And why are they saying Chewie were home? Didn't you have the Falcon? Yeah, the like, time? like what's like what's going on here, you know, man? Yeah. Like, who's that dude in the mask? <laughs> Straight up. Like so, the first time I think a lot of people saw Kylo Ren, it was a lot like for people's first time seeing Darth Vader. Yeah, I'll go with that for a new. I generation. mean, some people may not, may not be as stoked as the first time they see Darth Vader. Yeah. You know, everyone's gonna go with the nostalgia side. Yeah, but it was pretty menacing, and it's because I didn't know jack shit. Right. Yeah. 
Well, damn, dude, how I don't even know how late we're going on here, but uh, we've covered everything. Well, that except the mummy. That's true. They um, they did just announce a, mum, a mummy synopsis, and uh, people don't at their own know they're rebooting the mummy with Tom Cruise, and um, just announced um, who was uh, it? What's his name? Right. But it's Doctor Jekyll. Mr. Oh Hyde. shit! Yeah, Russell Crow- Russell Crow. Well, Russell Crow is going to play Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. But I'm thinking to myself, are you guys inching towards Van Helsing here? Because I think don't they're trying to do too many people in a movie called The Mummy. I think they're trying to do what everyone else is trying to do and make a shared movie universe. That yeah, you know what? You could be right. <coughs> There's been talk of that for a while, especially for the Universal monsters that they may eventually occupy their own shared. Well, movie yeah, universe. they're same with how now they're having. Um, the, the, the King Kong movie, the new one coming out. Right, Kong, Skull Island. Kong, Skull Island is going to be linked to uh, Godzilla. Yeah. It's going to be in the same world as Godzilla, and they're going to have a Godzilla versus King Kong. Kong. By the way, anybody out there listening to this, um, we're not breaking new ground here. Universal monsters have shared their own universe before yep. in an amazing fucking mm-hmm. film called The Monster Squad. It's already Rent happened. that shit. Yeah. And avoid Van Helsing at all costs. I'm glad you brought up the Monster Squad. I fucking love the Monster Squad. <laughs> I grew up on that film, dude. Come on. Yeah, so it seems like they're trying to do that. And I don't know if we're going to see the dark, gritty version of the mummy and the dark, gritty version of Jekyll and Hyde. Right, right. Like, please don't do that. They just, uh, I don't know if you watched the show, but Penny Dreadful just introduced uh, Dr. Jekyll on the show. There. And, and Dracula, for that matter. It's going to be a great season. I need to start watching. Penny it's Dreadful. pretty badass, dude. Yeah, definitely. Um, a piece that I am so invested in as a constant reader of Stephen King books, The Dark Tower. Oh, I know you've been excited about that. Finally started shooting. They're in production. Uh, the main cast members are Idris Elba. Yeah, they're starting with Idris Elba, right? Which I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, this whole race thing, it's like a black stormtrooper all over again. A lot of people lost their mind because Roland Deschain, the last gunslinger, I, he's been painted in illustrations as sort of a Clint Eastwood type. You know, he's tan. Uh, but he's never been, like, stark white. You can't just go and throw, I don't know, uh, Shia LaBeouf <laughs> Well, yeah, it, like, like I have said, change, change the gender, change the race, yeah. change the origin. As long as it's actually true to the character. I think Idris Elba will give the character the very <coughs> quiet gravitas and the fury he needs when it comes out and the, the, the royalty. Because Roland does come from the line of Eld and that's royal. And um, Matthew McConaughey as the man in black. That is, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've read this shit, but for people who know The Dark Tower, that is a grand slam. That's not a Hail Mary play. Matthew McConaughey embodies Randall Flagg and the man in black and... I remember when I was hearing that he was going to be cast as the gunslinger. I'm like, well, that well, might be cool. But no, make him the fucking villain because he would oh, chew man. the scenery a lot. And Matthew McConaughey is doing some fantastic movies right now, especially coming off a movie like Interstellar. Right. I Oh, my God. For me, that was the best picture of the year that came out. I loved Interstellar. That movie yeah, hit so me like a thunderbolt. He's coming like a powerhouse now. So to come out as a villain mm-hmm. in a comic book movie? Yeah, definitely. And he's got another one coming out with this... Uh, what was that? The State of Freedom or something like it was, that? It was a it was a Civil War flick. The Free State of Jones, a yes, Civil War yes. movie uh, about the uh, um, Jim Crow South. Yeah, and I think like, the best thing I could cut off, the cut off that is mm. there was something like a oh he died with honor. I'd be like, no, Jim, he just died. He just died. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he was awesome, man. He's he's uh, the peak of his career right now. 
Yeah, he's come a long way. So, and out of other things they're talking about, uh, they, they sort of announced that Jared Leto is going to jump into the fans. Oh, the vampire Lestat. He'll play the vampire Lestat, and which really needs um, a retelling. You know. Well, I I haven't really read it, so. The one good one, because you, you've read them, right? Yeah, yeah, I've read them all. How do they do with um, in, uh, Interview with the Vampire? Because I love that movie. Oh, has the book, you mean? Well, yeah, how does the, how do they, uh, compared to how to do that, how does it shine next to the movies? I mean, the books. Oh, they're pretty close. Um, Interview with I, the I know vampire. you don't like Queen of the Damned. Well, Queen of the Damned was a hodgepodge of two or three books, and it didn't really gel. I mean, the Vampire Lestat, that book is so amazing because it goes into his backstory about how he became a vampire and his maker, and then it also jumps to the present where he has become the world's biggest rock star, you know. And I, I must say, for uh, if they were still going to cast Tom Cruise in the role, they can't obviously. But I remember reading the Vampire Lestat, and the whole time I was imagining Tom Cruise as Lestat, going, "This just makes perfect sense for where he is in Hollywood right now, compared to where the character is in the world. Mm-hmm. He's like the like goth Axl Rose of the time." Um, but they, like I said, they jump from the present back to the past where he's in New Orleans and France and he's, uh, to make a long story short, he actually turns his mother into his vampire lover. And mm. that's some bizarre shit that goes on too. So I'm wondering how far they're going to push this, but I think Jared Leto is the perfect yeah, embodiment I, I think he'll of Lestat. Because in reality, he is a rock star. Yeah, totally, he's a straight-up rock star. And he's totally white and pale enough to be a vampire. He nailed it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. I mean, he, he could bring that weird, bizarre eroticism that the Anne Rice novels nail more than any movie could. Although, getting the director of The Crying Game to do Interview with a Vampire was a step in the right direction. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's looking for a franchise now, so all i got to ask is if they do these movies, just do it with a bit of respect. Yeah, if they, I mean, there's so many more places to go. They can do another Queen of the Damned. Right after that, go into Tale of the Body Thief, Memnock the Devil. There's like fucking, there's like 11 Vampire Chronicles yeah, out there. Yeah, it's, touched. it's all there. You just got to read it. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> one day they'll get the balls to make the claiming of Sleeping Beauty into movies. But What is the claiming of Sleeping Beauty? What is that one? Well, Anne Rice wrote under an alias A.N. Rockelaire, and she wrote these books called The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty, Beauty's Desire, and Beauty's Release. And basically it takes the Sleeping Beauty world and imagines it as uh, an S&M fucking orgy kingdom. And that's always fun. It's always a ball. Yeah. I love taking S&M versions of all my of classic balls, fairy tales. Right? Totally. Um, one thing, I don't know how this has slipped our mind at all. Yeah, man. But it's, it's kind of been slipping my mind for the past year. Hit it. Um, X-Men Apocalypse. Dude, Apocalypse soon. Apocalypse is coming, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's just been kind of sliding by on the coattails of everything else, because everyone's been, okay, Batman versus Superman. And then, yeah. Okay, Civil, Civil War. War. And then you forget, like, oh, yeah, oh yeah, we got an X-Men movie coming, yeah. don't we? No, they're flying low, but I'm excited to see Bryce. But now, now that these are out, out, they're kind of amping it back up. Oh, yeah. No, you got to clear out Marvel and DC before you can even crank up that X-Men marketing machine. I mean, they released the trailers, and they were cool and everything like that, but... Um, it, the more and more I look at the movie, I'm like, this is going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, I, and I don't know why I forgot about it, but now, now that everything's kind of the dust has settled, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, X-Men. hell yeah, 
another X-Men movie. And uh, and then they had their own reveal in their latest trailer. Yeah, trying, they trying dropped to, they uh, dropped a Spidey on us. They dropped a Spidey on us, exactly. When you see that final shot in the corridor where a wrist comes into frame and then snicked, and you're like, yes! Like Wolverine showing up, bro! Fucking Jackman, dude! <laughs> He's coming through, dude! So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm also psyched up Logan, about bro. the introduction of... Uh, Olivia Munn is Psylocke. I think I'm just always happy about the introduction of Olivia, of Olivia Munn. Munn. Yeah, yeah. Bottom line, <laughs> she could have been playing Olivia Munn, and I think I'd be like, I'll, I'll go, to, I'll go see this. Movie. Oh, yeah, that looks compelling. Yeah, mm. that totally nice yeah. storyline. And we got a, we got Nightcrawler coming back. Yeah, I'm wondering uh, how they're gonna work with that because he had such a cool intro and. Um, X2, that the timeline is a little fudged. Um, Alan Cumming. Yeah, Alan Cumming. He Great. did an amazing job and hated every minute he was on that set. Yeah. That's, uh, a, that's an actor. Were there some rumors of him just despising everyone? Not He didn't like the makeup. He didn't like... No uh, one can really commit to the boo- the blue. Yeah, no, he, he didn't like the way uh, the director was taking things. Um, he just generally wasn't happy on set, but it doesn't come across in the film. Oh, he does fantastic. I remember when... The jets, like, you know, mid right after they introduced him, they're flying through the jet, they're escaping, and a missile blows the jet open, and Roe goes flying out. Oh, no yeah. parachute. She's plummeting to her fucking death. The, n- the noise cuts away, the music cuts away, you just hear Nightcrawler go, bam, <laughs> grabs her, bounces her right back into the seat, straps her in. My theater rose to their feet like a fucking hockey goal <laughs> just happened. They were like, yeah! Because they were diehard X-Men readers, and it was just a badass moment. Oh, yeah, and the the sound they had for every time he popped in and out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. That is, X2 is definitely up there in some of my favorite comic movies of all time. That's a great flick, man. X2, X-United, definitely, when they have to work with Magneto for a brief period of time, where General Stryker is more menacing than Magneto. That's yeah, I know you off. also fight the fight of X3. You know... <sighs> I, I, I know it's the weakest one. I, I enjoy it. I can watch it from front to beginning. There are a lot of parts that are very jumbled and felt forced. It does lean into Spider-Man 3 territory. And I know for a lot of people that it is a bastardation of the Dark Phoenix saga. And I get that. I really do. Um, but for what they put forth and what I thought they linked to X2 pretty well, I... Um, you know, you, you felt some things. I think when Cyclops was killed, uh, you know, at the like he was at his lowest mm-hmm. too, and they just offed him. I thought that was sad. Um, when Professor X is deatomized, I was blown yeah. away. I'm a fucking what? I mean, and yeah, the, the movie <laughs> the movie gets more shit than it does. I think because because I saw it younger. I mean, and it's I'm, Brett Ratner. People have a big hate on Brett Ratner too. Like I just remember, like I, I, I don't know what year did that movie come out. Not long ago, oh, but six. I know. I know for a fact I was, I was younger than I am now, and yeah. I was like, it was back when I didn't really judge movies that harshly. Yeah. I saw that movie, and all I thought about was X-Men, the animated series. Because I, I saw Juggernaut. Yeah. I saw, you know, I like I saw Juggernaut. I saw Dark Phoenix. Like, yeah. I was seeing all these people, and I'm and like, you I'm, get a sentinel I'm so excited now. that they're all here. Yeah, during the <laughs> Danger Room sequence in the beginning, you even get a sentinel for a while. Yeah, you get a legit sentinel. Yeah, that was cool. But in the end, that final push of Wolverine just climbing up the mountain because he knows he has to kill Jean, and she's just giving him psychic blasts and stripping his fucking flesh off. You see the adamantium skeleton underneath and stuff. I was like, this this is some powerful work right here. And like, meanwhile, like San Francisco is just raising off the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if I don't put this bitch down, <laughs> she's going to basically pop the world like a balloon. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things they they've kind of back then they kind of start turning in more of like the Wolverine movies where yeah. they're like, okay, everyone loves Wolverine, so we'll put them front and center. Mm-hmm. Kind of how what they're doing with the X Men movies now, where they're trying to put Mystique front and center because everyone loves Jennifer Lawrence. Right, right. It makes sense. I know why they're doing it, but it may or may not serve the story. We don't know yet. Yeah, like I know she's you know she's a pretty big deal. Like you know she's she's a character. She's a good character, but she's never like the main lead that everyone rallies behind. Yeah. Yeah, she's a perfect um, example of why mutants are persecuted because, you know, she has to hide. If she's just to show her real self all the time, people lose their minds. So, you know, I, the one thing I love about X2 is also a perfect parallel for people coming out of the closet. And that makes perfect sense because Brian Singer made it and he went through his own problems with that as well. But, um, yeah, I always felt the X films touched on some real, you know, issues that people that age might be going through. Well, that that's how X Men always was. Since the creation of X Men, they kind of created it as a. Um, this is a book for the outcasts. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of social influence influence on it mm-hmm. about like you know the mutants like hate the mutants and everything, and then you know. Well, even Magneto's not a villain. He's just on a different side. I never felt him as a. Mustache twirling, cackling son of a bitch, and you know, no, even yeah, especially in the just, movies, McKellen plays it just so brilliantly. You're even like, even Michael Fassbender in the yeah, Fassbender too. He's in a little the, yeah, in the first one with all the underlying like you know the Holocaust themes. Even no, actually in the first X Men, yeah, where they have that Holocaust scene, that's and he a rips great the gate, prologue. The gate Holy shit, that's one of the best prologues ever. I yeah, that. like from that moment, you're like, oh shit, yeah. But uh, I'll go back to, I got to go back to this because I know my friend Brian, I know Brian's going to listen to this. Uh, We were watching X-Men The Last Stand together and he had read the comics uh, pretty good uh, and knew a lot of the story, especially the Dark Phoenix saga. And it comes to the scene where they're inside the house and Jean Grey has become Dark Phoenix and she's unleashing her powers and Wolverine's powerless to help Professor X. He's put up against the wall and he starts to slowly Mm de-atomize. Then he looks at Wolverine, smiles, and he just <laughs> explodes. I remember going, holy shit, that really just happened. Professor X is dead. And Brian went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had just, like, just the little smile to the left. Because like. he's like, oh, all right, whatever. Because <laughs> the movie was really just playing it loose and fast and choosing its own material. It's like, when they just turned Professor X into fake snow, Brian was just like, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sweeps the rug from under you. I remember, like, I went from complete horror to utter laughter because I knew that he just felt kicked in the nuts. <laughs> as well, yeah, just go ahead just blow him up. <laughs> fuck, fuck me, I guess. Fucking Professor Confetti. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta end on that note, dude. Jesus Christ. This episode's been brought to you by Professor Confetti. Yeah. <laughs> That's killer, man. Do you have anything you want to talk about for um, get people ready for Live Wire 3? Um, I think time's going to tell on that. I think we have to see what's coming out around then. More or less, we'll probably be in Apocalypse. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you'll you'll hear from us next time back. on Apocalypse, because right we're going to have to go see that. Cool. But um, thank you all for joining me on the second episode of The Live Wire. I hope you stay tuned to the third. Um, I am Mark Simon, and... Yeah, I'm Matt Biller, and you guys keep your unit on you. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, doggy. <sighs> so what happens? Dean uh, takes a listen, chops it up, cleans it up. Yeah, and then you might fuck it up once or twice. Okay, cool. Who came up with that wacky intro? What wacky intro? It was a musical intro to the oh, my, that first was my episode. Friend, that was my friend uh, Ross Josh. Oh, grab the glass. Oh, sure.
Yeah, that's a ball game, dude. That was fun. You know, I bet Dean was even freaking record like in, in here listening. My man's passed out. That motherfucker. <laughs> Is he asleep? He's, He's not in here. I'm do. <laughs> and you locked us in here. Like, I'm gonna put my foot in your ass. God damn it, Dean. 